must keep podcasting urge to keep going strong i love you all so much yet who can even know what love is a robot oh wait what am i even doing here this is a star trek podcast i think okay let's figure out the rules of acquisition uh hello and welcome to the rules of acquisition it's a podcast that you probably know that by now it's a podcast where we have gone through every single episode of star trek deep space nine and we will not be going through every any more episodes because we're done we finished the whole series and now what i I don't well (laughs) anyways it's the it's the best. Uh, my name is Wade Bowen, and with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hey, how we doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we we finished up. Uh, we left behind what you leave behind last week. <laughs> so that's behind us now. Um, it's all gone. Yeah. And normally at this point, every other, uh, at the end of every season, we've done like a, uh, a white album where we've cut down, uh, the season and from a, you know, bloated double album down into a blah, blah, blah. But I guess we're not doing that this time. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. We're basically going to talk about the thesis of our podcast and where we think Deep Space Nine fits in the sort of evolutionary uh, line of modern TV and probably talk about some of its context in, in uh, Star Trek overall to a yeah. certain degree. All right. Uh, and I've got, I've got some IMDb information here just for <laughs> old time sakes. Uh, <laughs> the name of the series is... Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and the IMDb description is as follows. In the vicinity of the liberated planet of Bajor, the Federation space station Deep Space Nine guards the opening of a stable wormhole to the far side of the galaxy. Creators Rick Berman, Michael Pillar, um, ran for seven seasons. It ran for 173 episodes, and we talked about every single one of them. Every one. Uh, from 1993 to 1999. So, yeah. Yeah, that's... we've... Sometimes more than yeah, we've got over two hundred episodes. Sometimes we talked about other stuff. Yes, we. Uh, yeah, but yeah, and I know we weren't going to do a white albums, but I couldn't help myself, and I did a whiteish album. But do it. <laughs> Let's hear it. Yeah. What do you got? Actually, I got it down to like fourteen or fifteen episodes because we thought that we wouldn't be able to do that because that last arc is like nine or ten episodes all together, and it's like, well, you have to do it all at once because it's so serialized, but. Uh, turns out that maybe you didn't, or I, I pulled my old shenanigans where I was like, well, just change this thing, this and this, and this is how, going back to even the beginning when the first couple or few seasons, we had a whole segment where we'd go through an episode that maybe wasn't the best and we'd decide, well, how would we do this differently? How would we fix it? How could we make this better? And I had ideas for season seven. (laughs) Well, all right. All right. You come loaded to bear. So like, yeah. Uh, uh, do it. Let's see what you got. Do it. All right. So 
the first half before they get into the last arc, there's I think it's pretty obvious the stuff to cut. It's all the bad, stupid Ezri shit, right? And <laughs> maybe some some of the um, shenanigans episodes that y'all love so much. You gotta kill your darlings, guys. Sorry, I had to take the shenanigans out. I know it would bug you. Anyways, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it started with that the first two parter image in the sand, the shadows and symbols, just resetting from season six because of what all they did. So, oh, except you know what? Cut all the stuff with Cisco's mom. You don't need it. Um, wow. <laughs> and then I got after image because that's basically you're just you do have to set up Ezri as a new character because uh, for whatever reason they uh, killed Jedzia last season. So after image helps uh, get her into this into the cast and everything. That's the Garrick one, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and Garrick's great. So uh, then um, if you're doing a 15-episode season, you keep in Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite because it's such a great episode. Y'all agree with that, don't you? Of course you do. No. <laughs> but if you do have to make it more, if you're, if I had to kill any darlings in this thing, I guess I would cut out the baseball episode But I lo- as much as I love it. Wait, so I mean, you're... otherwise, I mean, if you take that out, then I guess the ethno ship isn't canon, so I'm fine with that. Right, yeah, I know, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I guess in an arc kind of thing, maybe you don't need it, but it's such a good, fun episode. I would like to keep it in the 15 episodes. Anyways, so we got that. Then we got... I guess if you think ethno ships are fun, I guess it I, is. I, uh, you know, I, uh, I direct you to go listen to that podcast. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. It's too bad. It's like in YouTube videos, you can't throw up a link to <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah. other, like at the moment. <laughs> then we can throw link. up into this part of the pod. Yeah. Throw up Listen to them the yell at each other about ethnoships and Wade get mad. <laughs> if you hear, if you hear this tone, <laughs> click, <laughs> click, you know, whatever, forward or whatever. <laughs> Turn the page. I tap your right ear pod. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to derail it. Go ahead. No, that's all right. Uh, <laughs> then treachery, faith in the great river, because we, I think we agreed that was a pretty good episode actually, and it did religion pretty well with the great river continuity and commerce or whatever. Yeah, I agree. I liked that. I like that a lot. That was the one with the rogue Wayun, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Uh, so you keep that. Once more into the breach, you keep because that's where you get Peter Dow Wharf. Uh, you got to keep that uh, mm. with you know and Martok, you know, uh, standing up and, and doing no, whatever yeah, happened yeah, that. Yeah, episode. yeah, yeah. That's the one with Core Kang Core Core. Yeah, yeah. John Calicos. Yes. So you keep him in there, and so he gets a send off where he gets to make his grand sacrifice. Then you get Siege of AR-558 because you got to keep that in there for the war story, mm-hmm. and it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's hands, hands down the best episode of the season. Um, uh, maybe. Yeah. But yeah. And then you get the best after that. If you're going to keep that, you got to keep, you know, you can't cut y'all's favorite character of all, Vic Fontaine. And that Nog plot, I guess, is okay, too. Now, the Nog plot's the reason to keep only a paper moon, mm. which I think is a companion piece to AR-558 that mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like you can really get rid of it. For what about uh, Covenant? That's the um, that's the fuck cult. Ducat's fuck cult? Yeah. Are you no, keeping the I, fuck cult? I, no, I didn't. I'm, I'm not keeping the fuck, the, the fuck cult. Okay, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> so that one's gone. And then, uh, then we go to, from only a paper moon, we go to Chimera, where 
Odo meets the other changeling because he needs to meet another changeling. Mm-hmm. And changelings need... So wait, you're skipping Prodigal Daughter... Emperor's new cloak. Yeah, that was all. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that was yeah, a bad yeah, stretch. Yeah. What was <laughs> field? What, which one was Field of Fire? What, what, oh, so that was the uh, Ezri Hannibal Lecter story. <laughs> yeah, that one. That's that. That's I think the worst episode in this season. That is the yes from yeah. That was a that was a bad streak, guys. Yeah. All right. And then Chimera's good. Chimera, yeah. and then from Chimera, I also cut the. Uh, Section 31 episode, Bashir comes out from the cold or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cut that one out because it's a one-off kind of thing. I mean, I like some of it, but it just didn't work. And then we're into the final arc, which we said, oh, we can't cut out end of any of it. But you know what? I cut out the first two episodes. Fuck them. Get them out of there. <laughs> All right. Because this is where I start to like change things, get more uh, dramatic with my cuts and what how I would change things and bend the rules of the game where you just pick episodes because I would cut out most of the Bajor plot entirely. You can have like with the prophets and the, the Pa race and uh, Dukat becomes Bajor and fuck that. You don't need it. It's that none of that stuff is worth keeping. Just forget about it. So then then it goes straight to Strange Bedfellows where you can you do you can have Worf get caught in a one off scene and then he gets back. You can skip out most most of the stuff with Ezri and Worf being behind the lines. You don't really need it, I don't think. Then we got the changing face of evil, so that you have all the, you know, you've got the Dominion War plot where they were taking the Chintaka system or whatever and the Allied. So you got war stuff. The uh, plot line that we, I think, agreed in that whole last arc works the best. Uh, with the Cardassian and, you know... The, I'm over, the I'm over here. I'm over here looking like... Uh, like Winona Ryder at the award show, trying to remember <laughs> yeah, right. the plot lines and what episode was in what thing. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's why I didn't want to do this exercise because they, they all blur together and we get roasted on our Discord whenever <laughs> they, whenever the episodes blur together. Uh, yeah, yeah. You've got the beautiful mind <laughs> math. <laughs> yes. yes, that's what it feels. <laughs> that's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. So you got you know you start off with the the dominions made a pact with the brain and that's changing the war. You know you keep that plot line changing face of evil. They retake the Chintaka system and then you could have left in a uh, thing where sure let Cisco have a vision, not anything about him getting married, just. This is Bajor's time of need. He should not leave Bajor behind. He's a he is of Bajor. He needs to stay at Bajor. That's what the lesson that he needs to do. So that's that's all you get. Fuck all the wedding stuff and all that. All, you know who cares? Um, then when it when it rains, you have Kira has to go off to train the Cardassian resistance and Damar. You do that because it's very important that Kira leaves Bajor. That whole storyline with her being the terrorist turned freedom fighter for her oppressors that's a good storyline to keep so you keep that uh, attacking into the wind i i guess you can yeah you can keep most of the stuff with the war plot there whatever so and then yeah extreme measures jules and o'brien's excellent adventure into the, the brain of section 31 cut that episode too it's fine you can make it work without it because that was a kind of a one-off episode as well so that's three of the seven or nine that's three episodes that you've already cut out of that final arc and it's fine and so 
basically everything kind of happens the same as in the show, except you don't have that Bajoran plotline, except this is how I would change the ending and tie up, thematically tie up the series, season, the whole show. Let me see if I, if I worked this, I worked this out like before we did tonight, but I was like, oh, I cracked the code and that, yeah. My beautiful mind went off, so my, pardon me if it's all in my head and it's harder for me to explain. But All right, so at the Dogs of War, they have to go take the fight to the Cardassian front, and Sisko is taking the Defiant out, and it turns out leaving Bajor behind is what he's been warned by the prophets not to do because he's the emissary. He has to make a choice between his duty to Starfleet and they give him a hard line that he should not go, he should stay with them, and he has to pick between being the emissary and his Starfleet. And if he picks Starfleet, they uh, threaten him that deep sorrow is going to follow, and he's going to fuck up, but he needs to do it. And you can even keep some of the Pa Wraith themes with the reunification and the grand whatever thing, but with the Pa race a little bit. But so he leaves, the prophets are pissed, then... What you leave behind happens, all the, the war stuff happens, and instead of not referencing the wormhole at all, while Cisco is gone, this is where the big changes start happening. Cisco goes to the front and the Cardassian front to fight the Dominion. While he's left Bajor behind, the Pa race take over the Celestial Temple, perhaps, do some stuff to figure out. But the main thing that happens is that the wormhole opens, somehow the Dominion fleet in the Gamma Quadrant finds a way to get to the Alpha Quadrant through the wormhole that the whole show was supposed to be about, and it wasn't. So as Cisco and Kira and all Bajoran's children have left it behind, it gets attacked on the back end, their flank is open, comes through the wormhole, the Dominion is going to wipe out with fire all of Bajor, and it's a big, oh shit, you know, the stakes suddenly got high, Everything's going to go bad. The Dominion's going to kill Bajor the, where we started. And then also, the Changelings still have the disease, the Space Aids, and Odo still has a cure and everything. So you have that going on still. But then what happens is, this is, this is the stuff I made up like right before we started. Something happens with the Changelings coming through the wormhole, and the Changelings encounter the Paw Race, perhaps, or the wormhole aliens, and there's something about the, the changeling's non-humanoid existence that is also more similar to the non-linear existence of the, the Pa race and the wormhole aliens and the prophets. So the Pa race and the changelings have some sort of interaction. And what happens is there's a reunification. It's kind of a dark crystal ending between the Pa race and the prophets. And they are wiped out. There's no more prophets. Bajor has to contend with their whole religion is basically the apocalypse happens and the prophets are wiped out. But at the end, in Apocalypse and Revelation, you have a new beginning because when Odo brings the cure to the changelings or whatever, there's a new beginning. Everybody has to get over their religion but their new life comes forward. They don't kill everybody. Like the paw, the paw race get redeemed by becoming a new thing, as do the prophets. And uh, that's how you do something along those lines to, to wrap up this whole religious story instead of just 
fire caves and and uh, Lord of the Rings and whatever the hell that <laughs> shit was. Yeah, I I that's like an interesting beginning of a story. Yeah, like the idea that you have this race of people that actually had material physical gods, but then those gods die, and like I don't know that is, that could be an interesting sort of start of a story that that was is that the end wade yeah that's more or less the end and then cisco i guess doesn't have to die and this whole kid thing and he doesn't have to be a deadbeat dad at the end (laughs) now that's that's a big plus you know usually i like my star trek fan fiction to be pulled surprise winning caliber but that was pretty good wade (laughs) (laughs) um the series overall, uh, we we talked at the outset about how this is. I guess we, we all started this podcast thinking that this is the best out of all Star Treks. I'm curious to see. I, do you maintain that it is after we took this deep dive, close reading on the series? Uh, yeah, I th- I still yeah I still think it is. All of the Star Treks have their foibles and their flaws. Right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say that this isn't because it is. I think that if you were going to ask me what is Star Trek Deep Space Nine about, like what's the thesis of the show, and I think the thesis of the show is Gene Roddenberry is dead and we can do whatever we want, we want now. And sometimes whatever we want is sh- shenanigans where we honk on the Godfather <laughs> or we have goofy episodes or we have lounge singing or. And so, like. It's not just because, you know, the old Taskmaster is dead who set the rules for this universe isn't always a good thing. Now, there were times where we got very good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we got like high, like the best that the series, the best that the, the world of Star Trek can offer can, come, came out of Deep Space Nine. But that pound for pound was so small compared with the rest of the this, this series I think we found out. See, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I see your argument like the the, your th- the thesis of the show is that he's dead, we can do whatever we want. Maybe well, maybe that is the working thesis that ends up that they're operating from, or maybe it's not, but even with that, if that's, but their, that's the outcome, I'll, that's what I they see, came that's out where with. I don't, that's where I don't disagree. I, that's where, where I might not agree with you. I think even doing that, all of them have shenanigans episodes and they're not uh, across the board as coherent in their themes as, but there's a theme that arises out of, even if, even if it's not as uh, utterly designed by the creators. Well, okay. Well, how about I frame my idea this way? Pound for pound, I don't think they told as many good stories as, say, The Next Generation. I think The Next Generation told stories with beginning, middle, and end. And a lot of those were, a lot of those were better. I think pound for, like, if you were going to compare the two. I mean, I think they... They hold up like well, I mean, there's some pretty awful. The first two seasons of that are just as bad, if not worse than some of the worst of uh, Deep Space Nine too. Oh, I, I think... disagree. I completely disagree. I think those are some classic episodes in the first two series, two ep- seasons of of Next Generation. I mean, there are classic episodes, but on the whole, those seasons don't really hold up. They're a mess too, you know. Like no, I think... well, I mean, they're not. They're not. It's not a serialization though i mean they, well, they I tell mean, their, yeah. i'm talking about with how they deployed the, like this 
because there are so many episodes where we'd get three storylines and we would if we had our druthers we would only keep one of them <laughs> you know there was a lot of there was a lot of that i mean even in your white album when what you were you you know cutting and stuff you were doing that yeah i mean i think I mean, that, that that's three out of nine. next generation didn't have that people had they had they told stories with beginning middle and end yeah, but and that's by they, design. That's I mean, that's that's the whole point of what Deep Space Nine does differently. It's operating on different parameters. Right, and I don't think they did it well because they they did a bunch of half measures, so they didn't do serialization well. It was it was it's an in between weird little monster, right? Uh, that didn't survive like the next round of evolution, you know. Right, but there's weird half measures in in TNG too, like even on their weird No, I'm talking up- about as a as a as like a whole as a thing. I mean, yeah, well you're talking about two different like serialization that TNG didn't attempt on the scale of Deep Space 9 did. And, right. And so yeah. that's why I think that So it's like a nothing ventured nothing gained kind of thing. No, I think TNG was a better storytelling engine. I, Maybe. I I like people that I like I mean it, this is a thing that, you know, like with shows like Legion where they might I like shows that take big risk and might not even accomplish them all. Yeah, that's fair. Sorry, James, I cut yeah, you off sorry. like five yeah, times. No, 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 no. No, I I I I think I agree. Well, I mean, back to the original question. I think I definitely thought so at the beginning. Right. And then... Like a close reading of it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, no, I think that I've... I I think that at the end of the day, yeah, this reassessing it where I'm at now and where I was, I have been for the last, you know, that even that's changed. But as you start seeing a lot of, yeah, a lot of just kind of bad storytelling. And I, I keep going back to that... I fucked your mom episode, the Ducat episode, <laughs> where that that seems to me like this. I mean, like this. Se- that seems like an indicative sort of idea of 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 what DS Nine is, with all good and bad. Which was that it was telling a story about something that needed to be told about these, you know, comfort women who are sort of forced into prostitution you know being raped and all of these sort of things by abroad i mean that's a that's a real thing that's a story and people need to tell stories about that Mm -hmm. and people need to tell stories about that whenever you have a military organization like the federation and you're telling stories about a military organization you need to be able to tell stories about you know the, the ugly side of militarization and so that that's fine but how they did it (laughs) <laughs> was not only sort of like wrong, but it was the, middle, the phone call of the middle of the night. And all of the sort of issues of it and how it was written and everything, it just sort of like sours the sort of story where at the end, I don't feel like I got a, I don't feel like I got a Star Trek story. I don't feel like I got a piercing insight on the lives of, you know, these under these victims. And I don't feel like I got a good Kira story out of it, but I did get something that was just unsettling at times. And I feel like I I felt those feelings more this viewing than I did before, where I think maybe when we started this podcast, I was remembering it most vividly from watching it in 2005 when I 
when it, I just started watching these and um, I, I really loved them. I watched all the Star Treks and then watched all the Next Generations and then watched DS9. And when I got to it, I really, I was really gravitated to it. It was in the middle of the Iraq war, you know, which I was really against mm. and I was really political and, you know, and, and there was something about the political nature of the show. Was. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now I, I look back on it and the things that I thought were piercing and brave and about like, you know, making tough decisions and compromise. I mean, I'm not trying to like say that I'm more militant now. I actually feel like that I just, I have a bigger view of these things now and sort of the tepidness of it or like, why are you telling the story this way? And sort of those sour feelings that you get from that, uh, I fucked your mom episode <laughs> sort of sh shows up here. And yes, like politically or whatever, TNG or the definitely the original series or whatever, it's not like the best thing either. Mm -hmm. But what it was giving me was really tight ass imaginative stories pretty consistently and when you break it down there's not a ton of that here see and, i mean yeah, like pound pound for pound like let's say they were let's say if they're i hate i know you don't want baseball analogy but like if there was a batting average if they went up to bat 10 times and they had two good stories they're 200 hitters and there's a big difference in baseball between the, the guy who goes up there and hits it three three times out of ten and the guy who goes out there and hits it two times out of ten. So even if TNG's hitting it, th you know, three times out of right. ten, it's still mm. that's still a big difference. Well, I mean, okay, so with its average, what y'all were talking about just there just kind of stood out to me is like uh, when we started this, a lot of it was framed by our fond memories of how we remembered this show mm -hmm. and these kind of rose-colored glasses. And I feel like that's kind of like now we're going through this and we're we're critical at ways that we maybe weren't before. I would agree with that. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. But I feel and so we're saying, oh, it's not like I remembered it on this rewatch. But then you go back to TNG, we didn't do a rewatch of that either. So I, I feel mean, like if I've we went back. It. I've watched like we the first four seasons in the last we, year. I've done uh, that. Well, I mean, I've, I've, I, I, I've seen. I mean, I can point. Well, let me to, get my point before you. you well, your, your point is that I didn't do a critical watch of of Next Generation, and I have. I, I don't. <laughs> I just because I, I did a podcast about it doesn't mean I I wasn't thinking critically about I, it. At, I have, or I had rose colored glasses about it. I mean, you, in 2019, the, I've watched like four seasons of of Next Generation. Yeah, not like we've watched the. Yeah, well, I, I watch. I'll even. I'll even. I'm even well, going to tell you how I watch with you it. That like now, like I might rewatch it now, but like watching it for this podcast is different than just doing a regular rewatch because we're going through. And well, I mean, you could tell when they're bungling a story and you, when they're not. When you're. You know, yeah, I just I think if we went through TNG with as fine to the comb as we've gone through Deep Space Nine, we wouldn't be talking about how perfect or relatively how much. Maybe we would, but I contend maybe we wouldn't be talking about how just amazingly stronger TNG is compared to this because it's the same writers that were doing TNG and bungling when weird goofy shit on TNG that was doing sure, weird goofy shit. It on is. TNG, and yes, you know, right? when you talk about that's a good point, it's the same writers. But I mean, nobody gives two craps about what Jack White is doing now. But when he had constraints of a crappy drummer who didn't know how to drum and just like himself providing <laughs> like rhythm and guitar or whatever, he made some really compelling stuff. I think there's a case to be made that when you have constraints put on a group of people that they can come up with really compelling tight stuff and that when you're off the chain you can do whatever you want sometimes you you make 
more mistakes. But you know what? They had the same person as later TNG making, trying to keep the same constraints on them that they had for TNG when they were trying to do these new things in Deep Space Nine. And that is a whole other complication to what they were doing here because they had well, to... It's, it's, no, because it isn't. Because they... Because they're trying they, to do new the show things. Bible. With, they're doing new things with the same constraints that they had. But they did. But their follow through was so poor on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, but part of that like is. It, but, I mean, so but, much stuff we talked about was dropped from the outset, and, right. not, and you know, uh, main characters were bungled throughout the whole. Well, throughout there, the whole that thing. happens on TNG as well. There's a whole, they a whole like guiding plot that they there's the big bad at the end of season two with pot aliens inside of people that they just drop and don't. They don't even mention it again, ever again on the show. Well, they blow up the Admiral. That's how that storyline wraps up. I mean, they they, they found... Yeah, there was more than to it than just that Admiral. Though. I mean, that, that that's that's a, just a drop thread that they just didn't readdress. No, they, they wrapped that up. They, no, they, they, killed that, they killed that thing in the cave, yeah. <laughs> there was more than just that thing. The whole thing was that it was a threat to the thing, and then it's like, oh, uh, never mind, they forget okay. about it. They don't mention oh, it but again. The, but the series, isn't, the series isn't based off that, though. Yeah, I'm not arguing that... I mean, but that's what I'm... That, that's what I'm that, that was a storyline, and they were like, oh, maybe they just left a back door for maybe more potential stories later on that that wasn't baked into their their show bible sure like but, i mean i'm like, not arguing that deep space nine didn't drop and make some falters but i'm i'm arguing that i'm, I'm arguing the, that that's pound big for mistakes. pound that next generation is is a better storytelling engine than deep space and nine even deep if you want to well, bungled bungled more stories than it than it you know, had successful. Well, ones. okay, let's look at it this. Uh, let me, let me, let me maybe rephrase it another way. Like, even if you want to say that the, through the the differing nature between the ser- highly serialization of Deep Space Nine and the episodicness of TNG, well, well, you have the enjoyment of a story, and so even if you look at Deep Space Nine, the whole thing, because they're going to do there were a serialized story, so oh, so you're one big story, so. At the end, how satisfying is the end of the journey, and did did it reward the length that that you put into it? And that, where I think that compared to sort of the the the, the sort of glowing stories that you get on TNG, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. There are some bungle. There are some missed opportunities. Like you know, in my my white ish album there at the end, I was like, all right, well. It was me attempting to try to wrap up better themes that they just totally kind of bungled at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess the other thing thematically to talk about when we're talking about DS9 versus TNG is that DS9 is taking these themes of TNG, which are the grand Roddenberry themes of Star Trek in general, and sh- and trying to come at them from a different angle and complicating them because trying to show what the messiness of how things can actually get with with these ideals which i know that you guys are are you james especially at first if i mean maybe felt like oh this is the 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 you know ds9 this is the star trek this is what i want but now coming at it in this modern era we're like oh now it's just like we want those what happened to those ideals that we were holding on to? And now it's just like, oh, everything's grim dark now. What the fuck? Yeah, I I think that there... 
But they didn't it's even a, address they bu- they bungled the grimdark one. They and they yeah. they bungled those stories. I, well, it's I like mean, we got we got a few of those that were really outstanding that can mm-hmm. show us like the heights that it could reach. And that's the lasting legacy I think of Deep Space 9 is that when they reached those heights they they soared higher than the other and that's really the lasting legacy of it is like right. when they got that high they got higher than anybody but they did like four times maybe they did more than i think you give them credit for and no and i mean i was here for every you, single I, episode i know, like I know that you that were here i'm talking but i'm just talking no i'm like, I'm like let's see let's, I'm just let's saying see the episodes that, like let's name them the four that i'm no, talking I'm about just, I'm not, well, you can name those four, but I'm going to say that there's, there's 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 remnants of that in other stuff too. But I mean, I'm part of it is this is it's this kind of prequel to you know modern television angle that we kind of went with it. That it, I mean, I'm I'm the first to agree that it doesn't do what later television does better. Right. Even with those like more uh, nuanced themes. But yeah, I mean, if you want to go through. Endings are really well, tough. I mean, yeah, endings yeah, yeah. are tough. And I was going to say that I think that I'm not going to say that the, that the grin dark was a mistake because you're right. I mean, like, I mean, like, you know, uh, Pale Moonlight's still the best episode. Yeah. The, the, um, the, Shit. We got O'Brien, gang, yeah. like, like O'Brien, space gangsters. Yeah, but you get yeah. those too. Is like, and so, but I'm not going to say that there's. That's not, what I'm saying. So he, it's not that it's not that that was a mistake, but that more times than not, they were dour and unenjoyable, and and I found myself over the course of the show missing a certain amount of univ- universalness. And sort of, I, I, I right. guess, a more more of an aspirational element to TNG, specifically TNG, right? Um, oh, more than the original series, yeah. And and that maybe I don't know. It was how I was feeling at the time. So I, you know, it was emotional and maybe personal. But that's what I ended up finding yeah, yeah. is that whatever it was giving me when I was young, and and whatever it was giving me then, it's it wasn't giving me that now, and I needed what you know and i think that i summarized it at some point is that i thought it was like i was in an age where i hit me when i watched it when you know oh yeah they're breaking the rules this isn't like stodgy old shit like all simple brain you know smooth brain bullshit like that first this is complicated and dark and there's no answers and shit and it's all you know and it, it you know it's like a game of thrones but star trek or whatever right, 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 fucking right. thing what people would say now and now that i get there i'm just kind of like yeah I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, this isn't what I want right now. Yeah. To call it grimdark is even probably not exactly. It's more like they smudged gray on top of the TNG. And then, like, they got with Pale Moonlight is where it got, mm-hmm. you know, that's where the smudge. If, like, there's some ink blot that you're smudging, it's on Pale Moonlight. And then a little bit comes across on the other stuff. I but mean, it's, it's still TNG the, goofiness, even with some of this. No, it's just listen. like these themes are more... You know, it's not like grim dark, but it, and let's it's, look at it from just a perspective of how they utilize their their biggest strengths. I don't think TNG ever faded Patrick Stewart down as much as Deep Space Nine faded Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks was MIA for a whole huge chunks yeah. of this, and he's clearly the best. You know, the strongest thing about the show. You know. Mm. And they just they just tabled they just tabled them. They never did that to Patrick Stewart or Picard yeah. as a character. 
I mean, so, you know, as far as Star Trek, I think I really got to think that Deep Space Nine is not better than where I get more screen time with with uh, the Grand Nagus for one season than I do the, you know, the the Frankie got more screen time than Avery Brooks this last season. Yeah. I think if we, mm-hmm. I, you know, that well, never would have happened on TNG. Not in the last season, in the sixth season, maybe. But yeah, your point stands. Yeah, oh, you know what I'm, you know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 there's yeah, there's yeah. whole chunks they, where they did get distracted. Yeah, like that's the thing is that all of the many like sort of ethical or philosophical skirm like issues that I had with the show or storytelling issues with the show. All of that could have been fixed with a great overarching narrative. And that's where I see most of the flaws in the show mm-hmm. is in that narrative. And I think maybe I just liked that it was there when I first saw it. Right. Because it was novel back then. It is kind of weird to watch TNG and your 10 episodes to the end. It's kind of like you're just wet farting around like any other season. Right. You know, and it is kind of like these things aren't building to anything. And so it was nice that this show did that. Right. And so that was innovative. But then when I'm watching it this time, the structure of it, I just see a lot of. Right. A lot of a lot of bad sort of engineering. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, at the time it was novel, and now mm-hmm. the the form has been refined so much. There's there's better yeah examples of that 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 stuff that it was giving you that the other stuff wasn't giving you at the time. Mm-hmm. There's other stuff that gives you that, and then some that you know. Whereas this is somewhere in between. I think we referenced a lot of times, and and that yeah that yeah two hundred years yeah. from now somebody's gonna dig up this show and be like this is a weird this is like a, a weird fossil of, mm-hmm. of television history mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think yeah, that's but the, it's the weirdest thing about, yeah th- about it it's it's very peculiar because mm-hmm. they, they tried serialization and then they faded it and then they came back and tried to come back at it some more and then they'd go away from it and it was at a time where everything was shifting and how these tv shows made money you know mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So syndication, they were still beholden to syndication, but storytelling on TV was was going away from that. So, you know, I definitely we wouldn't have Battlestar Galactica if we didn't have this, right? No. Oh I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then that whole generation of of sort of mid aughts big sci-fi TV, yeah, like that sort of really took over. Yeah. And I was watching the show then in like reflection of that show so they they were concurrent i was watching both concurrently so that did that was definitely on my mind the first time i watched through it mm-hmm. and was enjoying Battlestar a lot at that time i do think that the the biggest sort of missed opportunity in the show is that they i i don't know like I, I receive embarrassed it, it, you know is you know it, it all lives on his he's shoulders. He's sort of our it's podcast his... villain, isn't he? <laughs> I think so, and I and I think that I I just I mean you know I, there's a lot to say for him. He seems like a really great guy. Everybody in the cast seems to love him, and you know he's he seems like a good guy. And this is the thing he's got. So I'm not trying to shit on that. I am, and he's and he's <laughs> and he's that. I mean, literally, it's the thing he's got. He's right. He said that in an interview once. This is my thing. I did this. So you can give it to him. It's his show. And I think that it's pretty clear that the flaws were his flaws. So weird. Either his temperament or what the kind of stories that he wanted to tell. and that Or sensibilities. 
I mean, yes. t- like the the gender swapping f- Ferengi episode. <laughs> there yes. was, I mean, that was a mess. But that was because he. Th- All right. Well, yeah. No. 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 Play, the, like bo- if play you like... the bong for that episode. It can go to that. <laughs> I I, th- I was trying to think of a band, and I, I think Sticks. You know, like the rockers <laughs> that made Sticks popular, but really it was this like the guy in front who wanted to just do up uh, like show tunes. Uh-huh. He was the real power, and that, I think that like the real power in the writing room. What people liked about it was specifically Moore and Robert Hewitt Wolf. Those um, writers were writing really good shit uh-huh. in seasons three, four, and five. And that the power and and that I receive a bear was kind of doing a good job of not fucking that up or doing a better job. Right. Um, but as the <laughs> show got noted, I think that he took over. And I think that that's probably my reflection of season six and seven is the flaws on how, how much six and seven fault. or Kilroy was here. That's <laughs> yes. Yes. It's where the head got too big and you sort of lost some of the dynamic of the of those electric seasons. You know, there's really good like things like like the Cisco and his son build the 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 oh, yeah. cl- uh, explorers. Yeah, like that's a really great little episode. And I they, fuck you might even or just remember Cisco had a relationship with his son, and then it just got like <laughs> yes. completely tabled for yes. for like taming of the shrew with Ferengi's or whatever. <laughs> yes, and so as that gone, just this these horrible story ideas and this just to be on like the the thing where they're just. You're just going and rehashing, like another movie's story, another thing's yeah. story. The Bridge and, of the River Kwai, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, or you're doing, yeah, or this is Silence of the Lambs. This is Godfather. This is whatever. And it, it this. I, yes, there's Silence of the Lambs episode. Yeah, yes. where they got like look through the scope. Now feel the scope. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Can you hear it, Cloudies? Can you hear? It? But yeah. So that was not good and that was him that was he was the one that was doling out those scripts so i think that it's the the tragedy the rise and fall of uh of i receive and bear and that the good things i mean then he wrote he the good things were his idea too yeah you know i i want to like be contrarian and to disagree with you and i (laughs) i guess i really i i can't like I want to give him credit for like if I'm gonna have the my villain of this, I want to make the villain of the show, Berman because that's easy because what you know about him and mm-hmm. Terry Farrell and everything and him giving these dictates to make it you know more Star Trek. I want I really want to give uh, Iris Stephen Bear credit for what he pulled off in the face of all the adversity from production and all and what he got away with by going behind their back because they care more about Voyager. Mm-hmm. But all those points that you bring up, James, I mean, I can't disagree with because a lot of these ideas that, you know, you can specifically call out as not liking are specifically his ideas. So, I mean, yeah. you got to put credit there. How about I, we I just fade give... all the family members, uh, you know, Keiko and Jake and all those relationships and put a lounge singer in yes. for two seasons? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was something about his mindset that just really irritated me on this watch through. And I think it's that, and I think that he's he's a particular type of Gen X artist that that has turned to grading to me. And and it, it comes from a cockiness, and it comes from a... 
a fetishization of her like sort of style over story. Like that was what it was, is I wanted this lounge singer and to do, you know, Ocean's Eleven because I like the style and look and texture of Ocean's Eleven. We'll just do the plot to Ocean's Eleven. So like that could have been the veneer and you could have built like a good fucking machine of a story underneath that. But no, you just parted it out. And it's kind of laziness and cockiness, but there was no, you can offset that. Tarantino offsets that. Um, with having really, really bowl you over style. But this show is pretty styless too. Yeah. But and I mean part of so, that is the the constraints of working like spinning out I mean, and you know, maybe on a I'm I am i am making excuses here and I'm <laughs> I'm well I'm perfectly aware that's what I'm doing, but spitting out twenty six episodes in a you know, standard season, you have you don't have time to stop and think about the plotting. You have to just you, nah. you're you're moving. Mm-hmm. You have to keep moving, yeah, constantly. You can't you don't have time to break things. You know, productions like we can't go over budget. We got to be on schedule. We got to work within these very uh, tight constraints to be able to even spit out get the episode made. And you know, it could it obviously seems to to be overwhelming at times. And you mm. know, at the end of this. That last arc, it like I think we commented, it felt like they're just trying to get to the next thing. You know, that's 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 a shame. Yeah, it felt really, really startlingly rushed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I I think that it it's a real big story, and maybe it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I think there's sort of an awe of doing it. You know, like you did it, you did, you know, seven seasons of all of this. Yeah. I guess so. But when someone says that, you did it, and they can't take that away from you. Or you, you go, well, what would, if you failed it, what would it have looked like? They wouldn't have just stopped making in the middle of a season. Like, yeah. Well, they, you couldn't right. just, you can't, you, the showrunner can't sit back to the network forfeit. Like, you know, so I don't know what it would have looked like if it looked like the story kind of caved in or collapsed. Well, is this. Yeah. So, I mean, I think maybe that kind of happened. I think that old ending sequence with, like, fuck, that the fire caves and the whole fucking yeah. ending to the whole, like, like prophet emissary shit is pretty fucking, like, dumb and nonsensical <laughs> and, 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 and poorly executed. Yeah. And, so, and it's it, almost insulting to Avery Brooks and, and, and yeah. Cisco. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was pissed... <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even think that nothing in particular about the, like, any given, like, I don't hate that he became a god. You could have told me a story where Cisco becomes a god. Uh, yeah, this is about a commander who hates his job, who's lost, like, who's had, like, PSTD, yeah. and, like, he yeah. becomes a god over a course of seven seasons. I'm like, well, yeah, I'll, let me hear that story. But the thing that, ultimately, that that's really disappointing to me is that I don't really think I guess he saved all of the people of Bajor, and that's good. But I don't really feel like the... I don't know what the journey brought him. At the end of the day, I know he's a god, but he's a character, you know? And this idea of having him slip away as something enigmatic. Yeah, like I, yeah, his trauma that he, he had in the first episode... Never his trauma from the first episode was never like it wasn't like a salve, it wasn't like a healing process for him or anything, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Like, yeah. as a character, right? Like, mm-hmm. if becoming a god became a healing 
thing like by transcending right he he like also transcended his own pain in his past like but, he i don't know he beat the bad he beat the bad guys by bum rushing them yeah. not by having some sort of scene where where his growth brought him to that moment to be able to achieve that sacrifice Just has to wait till jonathan left them or right and it's it feels like they wanted at the end of it their idea is like oh we're gonna send Fucking the emissary to the Grey Havens at the end because that's bittersweet and remember Lord of the Rings. You know, they read the book. They hadn't seen the movie. The movie hadn't happened yet. Mm. But, you know, we all knew what Lord of the Rings ended. All all these nerds did in 1999. Mm. You know, like, they're like, oh, wouldn't it? Because it's like they made a choice to make him be a space god and not be able to go because they wanted to have a bittersweet ending with that big glass shot where they pull away from the station. But it's like, it's just, but why? Why is that the ending that you needed? Yeah. Other than it was a cheap way to manipulate the audience, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, and it worked to an extent. You're like bummed that, like, you know, I was sad to see all my space friends go. I was sad that, uh, and, you know, a little annoyed that Cisco is stuck in the wormhole. But, hey, he's coming back. He said he was. But, you know, apparently that's just because David Burks <laughs> made him mm-hmm. say that, you know, like. Which is the right call, I think, but it's still doesn't oh, yeah, salvage that, the ending. That was the right call. That's yeah. the thing is that the the actors oh, over the course of the seven seasons and in our podcast, we, we how many episodes did we talk about where the show notes, you know, the, we yeah. say like, oh, the actor really hated this decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the yeah. actors' instinct about their own characters mm-hmm. were so right on, and <laughs> yeah, the writers with them every time. did the not care. Yeah, did not care. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. <laughs> they, they, they had maybe some of the. I mean, I think that's the thing. Is just um, another thing that we've harped on continuously is that they didn't have a diverse writing room, and even if I, you wanted to remove it from whatever the mores of the time, you can say they didn't have a. a they didn't have a writer's room that understood emotional language. And they didn't know under, how to understand some of the things. Like, I, I I feel like the writing, I feel like they just gave up on Jake Sisko because they stopped knowing how to write father and son stories. I don't, Yeah, yeah. I think they, I don't know if any of them had kids and none of them, you know, and none of them had experienced anything other than whatever, you know, I don't know. So like, you, you know, when you're a, have a white male writer's room and everybody's somewhere between 25 and 35, you, you just not, yeah. there's not a the, lot of life experiences going on in that room. Right. And so it's know, hard to write a lot of diverse characters. It was one of the most important things to Avery Brooks who mm-hmm. understood better than the writers I, I think you know like yeah i think if avery had his way the writers would be writing nothing but you know fatherhood stories for him honestly that would be really great if it had some sort of reoccurring theme like that which would or, have been awesome right i mean yeah. there's no super reoccurring theme other than faith and yeah faith and, is a word not a sentence so there's not it's hard to draw a theme from it but so even their faith, even their faith based episodes were still sort of muddled. Oh, and yeah. People who could rel- like relate like Wade would say over and over in our podcast that how much the yeah, how much he felt like they got wrong with when it with addressing like, right. people of faith. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why I wish in yeah. my, my uh, ending that I just spitballed there at the beginning. Like, yeah, you can have a faith and it doesn't have to be 
faith is stupid, get rid of it. But part of faith is, you know, this a cycle of rebirth or whatever. Do that kind of story. But they didn't know enough. They didn't have enough. I don't know. It felt like they just, they knew enough to hand wave and, and be like, see, we gave respect to this faith, but we didn't, they never understood it. And they never understood how to wrap up a story that started from the first episode that was going to, if you're going to wrap it up right, you're going to have to deal with the religion in a uh, truthful manner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who yeah. who who do you guys think, just to kind of switch tracks real quick, who do you guys think off camera was the MVP of the show? Uh, off camera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Writer's room. Yeah. Who do you think was it? You know. I mean, it's it's hard to not point out the qual- the lo- the drop in quality when Robert Hewitt Wolf left the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to notice it. You know, I feel like uh, Stephen A. Smith. You notice when Durant went down, how did they play? <laughs> so I think that um, you, you you a little bit of that. Right. So, and he was well, he was Ira's writing partner too. So he was able to Yes. That was clearly a a lucrative partnership creative wise and when you didn't have that. Wolf. yes yeah. yeah yeah so yeah. we would say that he's probably the mvp of the show yeah yeah i think probably ronald e moore is probably the best natural writer on the staff but i don't i think that robert Hewitt wolf was the instant yeah. guy third i'd put peter island fields oh yeah because uh, he, oh, he, yeah. he, he was their yeah. star player and then he just wasn't there anymore and you know yeah I mean, two episodes that are credited to him, he had dick to do yeah. with. But the, I mean, he wrote what three pretty powerful episodes. Yeah. So, so yeah, he got taken out in the first quarter, though. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think I think it's Robert Hewitt Wolf just because I think that that whatever his relationship with was with with Iris Stephen Bear, yeah, he was being managed well, and Hans Bimler was not a good fit. As a writing partner, but I just think it, Iris Stephen Bear just... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think specifically the last two seasons, he was a good check for the, against him. Seems to be. And he's still working. He's still a working writer, yeah. right? He's pretty. He just wraps. He's an upper... He's a veteran network yeah, guy, right? Elementary, the American uh, Holmes mm-hmm. and Sherlock show, which I, I haven't watched enough. It's supposed to be pretty for like a network procedural. It's really good, right? Yeah, it is. I've watched the first season of it with my wife. My wife and I watched it and we liked it. Um, it actually does storytelling. It does serialization and and uh, like character ser- serialization, yeah, but yeah. you know, with the three act story structure, really well. Mm-hmm. So where the characters will have like consequences emotionally or whatever from from episode to episode carry over right you know so uh but the stories change it does yeah, it, yeah. it works mm-hmm. within that framework right, right. and it does really well yeah. like it it knows what it's doing yeah. yeah yeah elementary elementary at least the first season that i saw was is good yeah i think it i mean i maybe i'll go if if it showed up on more streaming services i would watch it but it's really hard to find yeah uh, unless you're like an old network person that watches it when it airs i guess but it's over now i think they i think they just wrapped the season the series like a week or two ago maybe even isn't it sick sick boy is the lead of that show <laughs> yeah, right yeah. yeah he's really good too he's a good actor yeah yes uh he's sick. 
and Lu- I know Lucy Liu's in it, but Sick Boy is. Uh, yeah. Man, all of those actors have had interesting careers. God, what a movie! But anyway, okay. Uh, <laughs> we should end this podcast with was it Born Slippy, the song that ends the the big famous I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, it sounds like we're rap- getting to the end of this podcast, then, huh? Well, no. Well, I maybe I, I lost the train of my thought. By thinking about train spotting. Uh, sure. Robert Hewitt Wolf is, yeah. So I, I think that, yeah. And I mean, obviously, Ronald E. Morris probably had the, the best career, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's making, you know, a huge show that's about to, like, open the that whole Apple streaming service and everything. Oh, right. So right. I think he's the most talented writer. His episodes were almost always above everything that came before or after it. It was rare that he missed things. So, I mean, I yeah, so he's two and then Peter Allen Fields and then, yeah. All right. That's All right. interesting. And Iris Stephen, the good Iris Stephen Bear, you know, it's maybe fifth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and then there's the, the bad Iris Stephen Bears is the worst. What about you? Who who do you guys think is the MVP? No, I mean, I, re- I don't know. I, I Yeah. I kind of just what you said. Mm. I I probably just agree with you. Mm. Yeah. I have no reason. I have no reason to disagree. Yeah. 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 Do we have any final thoughts on this? I mean, my final thought. I'm like, I'm super glad that we did this. Like, I I know that I'm down on the show <laughs> a lot, but I uh, think I've learned a lot about what I want from stories by doing mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. and that's only gonna make me better watcher and creator of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also life is is short, so don't you know stick with you know don't watch bad stuff. If you know if you <laughs> you get to a certain age and you know who you are, and you know what you like. You it's a it's a balancing act yeah. because you get to a certain age and you know what you like and you know who you are, so you can get stuck in your ways. Mm-hmm. It's sort of it's a balancing act. Yeah, yeah, that's the another thing. And then I then I've I feel like I've learned two things. Pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Uh, one of which is just it was it was really like what you just said. Like it, it was very informing to me to watch story this closely and have to sort of think about each little thing. Mm-hmm. And in a way, you know, like right, storytelling is a, is a magic trick. You know, right? You, there's a lot of misdirection. You know, a lot of the seams of storytelling are, are, are through manipulation and, and stuff like that. And in the moment when the trick is performed for you for the first time, it's, it's, it's you know, it, it's got a profound and immediate effect on you. And then the more and more that you watch it, the more and more you realize, oh, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. And then you can start seeing, well, they're not doing that as well as this. Or you start, once you start, you get to see it from a different angle and you realize that you're losing the effect of the show. But it also was really affecting to me to realize that how much it wasn't just that I got bored. It was that I started seeing the ways that they were sort of undermining where it could, you know, you you just see the flaws in it and you see where it was underthought at a lot of points, you know, (laughs) and that, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that there, I'm not saying that there's plot holes or they didn't explain this well, or all the nerd corner shit that we bitched about. None of that's important. It was like the fundamental sort of character stuff that they really sort of fumbled on. And and that I think is, it was really informative to go through that. And then the second thing that I learned is from, from a lot of the fans and a lot of the things I realized is that, 
you know, people imprint on things and <laughs> you can't sort of remove. Yeah. Like if this was a, I don't know, I just really love the fucking American office and I, you know, and I don't know how to defend it. And then, you know, when, yeah, there's seasons, I don't, whatever. It's all I like. I really like Mystery Science Theater 3000. You can you can bitch it like you can make valid points of this or that or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, 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 fuck you, you know. <laughs> right. and, and and I think that there's a like I don't want to take that away from. I, I realize that I in some ways I was kind of taking that away from our fans, and I tried to learn over time how to be more gracious. <laughs> I guess you know I don't have to stop, but I don't have to like. But that was one of the things where you, you realize. I don't know that I didn't imprint on this show in the way that other people have. And this could have been different if we were doing another show. So that's what I'm just kind of saying that I, I get that there's, yeah, you know, there's biases on both sides, I guess, you sure. know? Yeah. And that's how art works. And that's great. That's a thing about art. You know, well, you, this world fucking sucks. I actually completely disagree with you. I don't like, I'm not going to be apologetic <laughs> about like taking a deep, like if people get, if people get like, sore at me because no, i yeah. i'm, I'm going to be critical of somebody's story like how somebody deployed a story or whatever yeah. mm-hmm. because they're they're have an unreasonable attachment to it then they need to stop listening to the words coming out of my mouth <laughs> and go do something else like I, no i'm you're not right gonna, you're I'm right not, that, that's no. not the way no, they, could... they should they should never stop listening and no. they should get more and more angry and uh well i'm yeah. just like if people can't get out of their own way to listen I'm to somebody to give I'm trying to give this plot a narrative. I'm trying to James in the end right. got his no. mind right. That's the thing. Is, no. Give me growth, Hugh. Listen, James. I'm I'm Polly Walnuts. I have no. I have. I'm just a guy with no heart. Oh my god. That's me. Some of us have no arcs. Well, are you afraid that enough that'll happen? Yeah, nothing did. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. See, no, yeah. So obviously, I... Sure. Uh, sometimes you just, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you don't want your characters to change. You, you don't... Yeah, you stay golden, pony boy. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. And I, I, I challenge anyone to do a podcast yeah. where you have to watch it sometimes twice. Sometimes, you know, you watch it a couple of times, then you talk about it for an hour and a half, and then there's weeks where you have to spend three hours or two hours, whatever, editing it down, <laughs> and then putting it out, and all this kind of stuff, and then there's, there's sort of a, like, like, the call and answer, and all of that sort of defending it, and all of that kind of things, you do sort of, it does warp how... the. The, yeah. the relationship you have. Oh, totally. And so it is, but I, I would challenge anyone to do it because when you spend that much time with each individual hour of the show, you learn, you know, the things that you maybe don't bother you starts to really, yeah, yeah. You, you know, the quirks or the, the consistent, you know, the inconsistencies that you would sort of escape if you, you know, you, Hey, me and my wife watch three, three of these episodes a night before we took kids in and, you know, and, Take a, take a Xanax and fall asleep. That your relationship with the TV show is so much different than my relationship with the show is while doing this podcast. Right. So I, I would right. I would just sort of in you would I, I I would say that that shaped how I reacted to the show over its development, and I think it was really good. Yeah. I think that ultimately that's how I I feel like because now it's shaped how I watch other things. Mm-hmm. 
and I love the things that I like more, <laughs> maybe, but the payment is, is that you hate the things that you don't like more, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, that just sort of changed me about me. So. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't I love everything all the time. Nope. Don't hate anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it does, I mean, unbridled from your role as, as, as sort of a check on, on our negativity, like how do you how do you sort of relate to the negativity well at this point yeah i i mean i i agree with some of the flaws that y'all brought up but at the same time i can i mean i'm a lot more willing to just view it in the context and and give it credit for what it i want to give it credit for what it does accomplish mm-hmm. even when other things may have perfected the form to an extent but this still holds a very important spot in my life and my relationship with Trek. And then just, just the realization going over it that so many uh, watching this show and then interacting with people on the internet and stuff, people's enjoyment of Star Trek in general, not even just Deep Space Nine and Deep Space Nine, is not based on how well it executes the stories. It, it's the grand ideas that you sit with when you're not watching the thing, you know? It's, hmm. it's the, it's, you know, it was the friendships we made along the way, guys. But I mean, so like, you're just like, you're basically like, there's no accounting for taste is right. what you're saying. And people love the, yeah. I mean, the, what yeah. resonates with people you can't account for. It's not on the, right. Know, there's no ledger. Yeah. To quote John Hodgman on his podcast or in the thing he brings, people love the things they love and you can't make people not love the things they love. Sure. And if you try to tell people you shouldn't love that, it's bad. That just kind of makes you like an ad. Like people should be able to love. Well, I never, I never try to police how somebody enjoys yeah, it. I just not, try I'm to not tell. trying to say that y'all are telling people. I'm not trying to yeah. say anything about what y'all, y'all, y'all's negativity or anything. Mm. I just think you know, like you could point out the flaws. You you don't have to agree with somebody that something's good because they love it. You just gotta accept that they love it. And I try to see what they love about it. You know, and some of it overlaps with. I love and just my memories and the irrational mm-hmm. things that you just want to love something, you know? Yeah. And it's community with Star Trek fans a lot of the ways. And, you know, I don't want to take that away from anybody either. There's a community I, aspect to it that I do think is... But that's not that's not what we were interested in utmost on this podcast. And I No, don't, in no way is that what I was interested in. Yeah. So I don't want to go out of my way to, uh, you know, placate those people either because... Yeah. Right, because we were looking at yeah. We we like TV and stories. I mean, we we also have a book podcast. Right. So I mean, it's like not just not just TV that we like. We we like yeah books and stories and comics and other forms of story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's storytelling is. I mean, that's my biggest interest in this is just examining the storytelling of it and how it exists in the world. And it's time, and mm-hmm. but yeah. I think we like how diff- the different ways ideas can be deployed in story via storytelling. I mean, heck, look at Wade's interest in um, I don't know, interest. It might be a little bit underselling it, but inter- interest in D and D, which is basically a game, like a storytelling game, uh-huh. from what I understand, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's like a different mode of expression that's sort of new at the same time. Yeah. 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 Like cooperative storytelling. But um I mean yeah, we have a, a wide range 
So it's like we were interested in in how this particular story fit in into that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're also left with like this sort of... I don't know what we're doing at this point, but like you're kind of left with well, what was DS9 saying? Yeah, I know, but th- th- and that's that that's just you know at the end of the day that you can't answer that question. Uh, I mean, it's it's a bummer. I think I can answer that question in a way that y'all don't find it satisfactory. I yeah, but which is what friends along the way. It's the same thing that I've been talking about from the beginning. Like TNG ex- established these ideals, and this is approaching those ideals from a. Uh, more complex position and how do you preserve these ideals in the face of a universe that doesn't go along with you well that's a that's a starting point that's not an ending point where do you think it ended yeah and what it's oh and that sometimes yeah i i mean i think it ended just exploring those things i don't think it came out with the thesis statement or a praxis of how this is it this is you need to approach these ideals i think it's like the same star trek we would have i think we would have liked it more if it did if it had yeah it's the star trek of hold on to your ideals and power through and try to do the right you know which do the right thing and and hold on these ideals are what are what you need to strive to enacting and need to be what guides your actions but sometimes the world is going to interact and it's going to not go your way and, and it gets a little bit grayer sometimes and at the end of the day, you still have to hold on to those ideals. And, you know, and Cisco lets him go down and cure the disease or whatever. I mean, I think that at one point, I probably at this time that I started this podcast, I thought I would probably say that I viewed that storytelling needed to be more practical and get into the sort of the practicality of things, the, the hard work of things. And I think that was a, maybe a critique that I know that I said in past tense, where it was like it just had this one figure and everything changed, and it didn't go into the hard, arduous process of it. And I, th- I probably think stories needed to do that more. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm going to say this in 2000, fucking two, you know, now that we're living, you know, after the election and everything, sort of my viewpoint on a lot of things fucking changed. And one of which was on the power of stories, because I always thought that reason was moving goalposts in society. I was a reason guy, you know, and I, and I thought that that was uh, like, you could take reason to the people and, and they would follow you. And that, I, that proved to me just I just I disbelieve you know I had a radical deconversion from believing that right and now I believe that it is story right it's that if you give people story they will follow you so I think that over the course of 2017 2018 and, and now and up till now I'm still doing it I'm sort of re-interesting a uh, re sort of investing my idea in that sort of the narratives that we tell people the stories that keep coming up how do we view ourselves what kind of stories gravitate to us and and I'm yes in a pop cultural mindset and stuff like that because I think that listening like that fascists have a story and it's very compelling and the liberals in America do not. They have reason. They have facts. They have figures. But they don't have a story. And so it's just lost to a generation. They don't know how to talk in narratives and stories. They don't know how to talk in emotions and, and characters. And and fascists are really good at that. The American conservative right is really kind of good at that yeah you said fascist twice yeah (laughs) 
Um, and and so now my reaction to when I see left wing ideals portrayed in these horrible narratives, it, it, I take it a little personally. But I also see sort of the flaw of just that TNG didn't have a giant space epic, but it had a story that it was telling you about a better future. And Deep Space Nine sacrificed that story that there's a better there's a there this is what you can have. They sacrificed that story for a big space epic that they rushed at the end. And so I, I do view it in a more tragic sense in some ways. Yeah. But my shift in tone over the course of the show definitely came from that perspective, that it didn't, you know, that, 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 that they don't have the story. They're not telling a story about people and humans that inspire people, I don't think. And maybe, I, maybe we need more of that. We need more stories. We need better stories. Hmm. So. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so fucked that at the end. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree that we need those, those kinds of stories. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Deep Space Nine doesn't exactly do that. But I don't think, I don't think it totally kills the ideal or the story that TNG sets forth. It just does. And maybe it doesn't execute its uh, complication. No, no, I don't think yeah. it. I don't think it kills okay. it. It's, it's not like Star Trek is irredeemable. That was Discovery. Star Trek's irredeemable. <laughs> yeah, right. So I mean, no, and I think it probably left. I mean, as far as like, if you want to look towards building like a franchise, and maybe this is probably what DS Nine maybe is another thing that's maybe super loved. Is it set up an interesting future? Mm-hmm. Like, if there was a season eight after this with not Cisco and Kira, I would watch a show about, you know, like, you want to know more about Kira. I see the compelling idea of wanting to read more about it because they're left in it. You leave the, you leave, you left the story in an interesting place. Mm-hmm. And there was this sort of cry amongst, you know, of Star Trek fans that it would be nice if someone picked that up. Yeah. Voyager didn't, couldn't do it. Discovery or Enterprise didn't do it. It would be nice that someone picked up the mantle of what, you know, that was told stories and the scraps left by this this space epic. Even if you don't like how it was deployed, it definitely left the franchise in a more interesting place than it probably found it. You can give it that. Yeah, and then everything since has been trying to go back and recreate that that past. But not because they want the feel, yeah. but because they want the IP. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like they really are just they don't want the spirit of Captain Kirk. They want Captain Kirk so they can put, you know. So that's and that's the problem. Yeah. And then taking the worst thing not or or taking an aspect of DS9 and implementing it in arguably the worst way. Of just making oh the serialization no I was talking about uh, section thirty one oh yeah that too <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yes yeah I hate section thirty one didn't like the marquee guys yeah I'm yeah. sorry I mean I didn't even hate section thirty one <laughs> but I don't like how it gets turned uh, utilized going forward mm-hmm. but oh well <laughs> I don't think I need to talk twenty minutes more about the section thirty one we've done uh, <laughs> I think we've done right. <laughs> Plenty on it. I feel like I had my Section 31 epiphany, so yeah, yeah. I'm all pleased with that. All right. So, I mean, yeah, we've gone on for a little while there, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, how do we wrap this thing up? Uh, well, so, uh, we're, we're doing Voyager next, right? 
<laughs> we're gonna do Voyager starting next week. Yeah, uh, uh, and then yeah. we're gonna do Enterprise, and uh, and then we'll go through all that. Uh, no, we're not doing any of that stuff. I think that yeah. people should just stay tuned, and you could tell them how to like find find us on the internet to find out about our next move. That's the best way to like to put that way to transition to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, this podcast has been called the Rules of Acquisition, but. If you're on your little uh, iTunes or on your podcast app, it also says Kickers of Elves on there. So that's where you can find all the stuff we do, even when the rules of acquisition is completed, which, I well, we do have voicemails. So at some point, I guess we're... Yeah, we'll deploy those pretty So there'll be a few more episodes, at least another episode of the Rules of Acquisition podcast, because we we got to cover your... We'll cover your thoughts, and you can... I guess you can still get those in at 917-408-3898. Yeah, so give us a call, 917-408-3898, and uh, we still have a few more voicemails to cover till you hear not to send them anymore. I guess you still can but like I said, Kickers of Elves, go to kickersofelves.com where all our stuff is over there. But most importantly, we're not stopping putting out content and I'm having a kid. So this is, <laughs> uh, that's actually, this is wrapping up in just perfect time because I'm about to be a father and I'm going to have to take a, sh- we've been releasing for over three years now, every week. We haven't missed a single week. I'm going to have to take a break because, you know, something about they tell me that that has to happen when you well, you you have to yeah yeah and, and we're at a show <laughs> yeah yeah so it's perfect timing actually so uh <laughs> yes. but go to patreon.com slash kickers of elves and you can see uh what other stuff we're doing and uh join the discord conversation and do all that other stuff and you know i could really use the diaper money uh <laughs> so there's there's all sorts of other the dune podcast and hours probably hundreds of hours of other audio content at kickersofelves.com and patreon.com slash kickers of elves and like i said before do all the stuff that every other podcast wants you to do. All right. I think I've rambled. Well, possibly for the last time, but probably not. Three to beam out. Wondering who I am? I got a secret. Go to patreon.com slash kickers of elves. Ask any questions and you may get some sort of answer. Choose life, choose sitting on that couch listening to mind-numbing spirit-crushing podcasts. But seriously bastardized Irvine Welsh quotes aside, it's not all over. Next week voicemails. Come on! Hey! Oh, the hammer's getting dropped down. <laughs> While he's doing that, I'm going to let my dog in. That's a good chance. Okay. Oh. Well, I'm back now. Oh. That's... <laughs>